G'day everyone, and welcome to Bad Apple. I'm Riley. And I'm Helen. (laughs) Well, I had to follow suit. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. If you are from Australia, you probably already know of this case. It's pretty iconic. But if you're from New Zealand, like Helen, or, you know, anywhere else, you may not have. Yeah, look, not only am I not from here, I'm also quite possibly the least political person I know. So there was no chance for me when Riz and I competed to see who could name more prime ministers from the other person's country. I think I probably realised the extent of, or maybe the, the limitations of Helen's knowledge of Australian politics when I think you accidentally said that the prime minister was Malcolm Turnbull probably a year after he was gone, <laughs> stabbed in the back and gotten rid of. Right. Um, but, I mean, in your defence, we You guys do... have a high turnover rate. We have had a high turnover rate. <laughs> we have gone through prime ministers, you know, pretty quickly. We've gone through, what, six in the last 20 years, which is a lot. I get it. Well, I've only had three New Zealand prime ministers my whole life, and four if we include Bill English, sorry, Bill, but... He was only in there for less than a year. you got to include them. Some of ours sorry, weren't there for sorry. very long. Oh, Bill's not listening either. But when Riz then said, like super nonchalantly, oh, and we lost a prime minister, I was like, what? I was like, where is he gone? Where'd he go? Have you never heard the phrase, do a Harold Holt? No. I'm going to do a Harold Holt, mate. Get out of here. I was like, what? <laughs> no, I'd never heard of that phrase. Like, I haven't heard of many phrases here. I'm struggling to understand what anyone says to me every day. It's been five years of pretending I know what anyone's talking about. Anytime we go anywhere, I say, let's hit the frog and toad. I'm like, ha ha, yeah. Ha ha. Yeah, let's do that. She still has no idea. I love frogs. She's like, where's... I love toads. (laughs) Let's hit them. Bam. (laughs) Anyway, I cannot believe you've just lost a prime minister. Like... Where did he go? And is he not the one person in the whole country you're meant to keep track of? And well, it then had to be a case that we covered. And yeah, although it is funny in some ways, it is also pretty sad because they did in fact never find him. Mm -hmm. So, to set the Australian political scene of 1967, up to then we had had two prime ministers who had died in office, which is always like whenever that happens... It's a bit of a shit show. You, you don't want that to happen. Joseph Lyons died of a heart attack in 1939, right at the start of the Second World War. John Curtin died of a heart attack in 1945, right at the end of the Second World War. So not only was there a war, but our prime ministers were dying. What's with them all having heart attacks in office? You know what? I think the Second World War was a very stressful time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have been quite stressful. Yeah. So our third prime minister that has died in office, was Harold Holt in 1967. But did he really die that day? We've only ever lost one Prime Minister. We lost him. I laughed when I read your notes on this, because you <laughs> sounded like you were saying, oh, we've, we've only lost one. I'm <laughs> not meant to lose any. <laughs> yeah, well, it's only been once. It was just one time. Like We, we messed up and we've fixed it. We haven't Fixed lost it. any. Well, we haven't lost any more. Right, we? right, right, right. Yes, that's true. Harold Holt was born in 1908 in New South Wales. He studied law at Unimelb and was the president of the Law Student Society while he was there. Fun fact: 
While he was at university, he met Zara Dickens, the daughter of a Melbourne businessman. There was an instant attraction, and they made plans to marry once Holt had graduated, but after a financial dispute, decided not to do it. Zara goes on to travel to Britain, where she meets and marries James Fell, a British Indian army officer. Ooh, get you a man in uniform. Yeah. Get you an English man in uniform. Yeah. Some people say that the dispute they had was because Harold couldn't get over the fact that he earned less money than her. Come on, Harold. Like, she had the money. She wanted to marry you. Yeah. Man, just let her do it. I guess it was harder in the 60s to get over that stuff. But Zara says that the dispute came about because Holt was interested in his father's business partner's daughter, Lola Thring. But in what might be the biggest dog move, Holt's widowed father was also in the race. And he was also interested in Lola. And unfortunately for our boy Harold, Lola rejects him and chooses his dad. (laughs) So now, they and then they get married. So Holt ends up with this stepmom that is three years younger than him. Crazy. I don't know if I'd ever recover from that as a person. Yeah. So despite this massive hit, Mm. Harold got into politics as the member for Faulkner in 1935. And for those of you who don't speak politics like me, Faulkner basically was a federal Australian electoral division. So he represented this division. At this time, Zara returns to Australia and gives birth to her first child, Nicholas. So she comes back here to have the baby. Yeah. That she had with James Fell. Yes. Okay. Holt then joins the United Australia Party in 1939. And the United Australia Party was quite conservative on the right-leaning side, but this is the 60s. It was kind of a right-leaning time. Yeah, everything was leaning to the right. The same year, Zara gives birth to twins. Don't know why these political and ex-lover events are aligning so well. Or do we? Mm. Hold on to that thought. Holt's political career was interrupted for a hot minute when he low-key went to war in 1940. Okay, get you a man in uniform. Yeah, he's turning up. Maybe he, like, heard about James Fell and he was like, oh, shit, I need to go to war. And at this time, Zara's marriage breaks down with James Fell. So did it work? I guess it did. In the late 40s, Zara moved back to Australia and resumed their relationship with Holt. They got married in 1946. So they did have to wait a bit because of Zara's divorce and Holt's growing career... They just didn't want things to get messy. But still, well, maybe in the end, fate finds a way. Yeah. They came back around to each other. war romance movie stuff. Holt joined the new Liberal Party in 1945, which was founded by Sir Robert Menzies. The Liberal Party rose to power at the 1949 election, and Menzies and Holt worked together quite a lot. For those of you who don't live here... We have a party called the Liberal Party, but it isn't liberal. Big L Liberal is the Liberal Party, and small L Liberal is the ideology. So our Liberal Party, I guess if I had to equate it to like some international equivalents, would probably be like the Republicans or the Tories in the UK. But Australian politics is much more um, centrist, I would say, than both of those com- countries. So it's not quite as as extreme as oh, those yeah. two parties. So he worked with Holt in 1949 when Holt was the immigration minister. For the time, and for the Liberal Party, 
Holt had some fairly progressive migration policies and worked to dismantle the White Australia policy, also known as WAP. WAP. <laughs> this included the watershed 1958 revision of the Migration Act, which introduced a simpler system for entry, making residency more achievable for non-English-speaking Europeans and Asian migrants. Holt was a Korea politician meaning that pretty much the only job he'd ever had was in politics, which I guess is probably like more common now maybe, but I think back then a lot of people used to do another job for a bit before turning to politics. For example, like you might go and be a doctor for a couple of years and then go into health policy and then go into advising, then join a party and eventually become like a minister. Holt worked as a lawyer for a little bit, But he wasn't, like, super successful at it. So I guess this just goes to show you don't have to have a golden start to your career to be an icon. Holt an inspiration to us all. Yeah. Holt became the leader of the Liberal Party as they went into the election in 1966. And they won that election. Mm -hmm. And he became the Prime Minister. Something else that Holt also did was he was very crucial in the 1967 referendum, which has been the most successful referendum in Australian history, passing at 90.3%. Without getting overly technical, the referendum was a vote to change one of the subsections of Section 51 of the Constitution, which would change the way that laws were made in relation to Indigenous people. It wasn't a perfect resolution by any means, and definitely hasn't solved racism in Australia, but essentially what it did was grant Aboriginal people citizenship to their own country, which is beyond me. Beyond me how they didn't just automatically get that. Anyway... This meant that they then had the right to vote, wage equality, and access social security. All this happened literally 53 years ago, which is messed up. Holt was criticised for being slow-moving to get the ball rolling on enacting the results of this referendum. But in his defence, it did cause a bit of tension within his party, and he did have to do some hard work getting stuff through the Senate. So, okay, Harold, I'll cut you some slack, okay? It seems like he had good intentions. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. There had been an assassination attempt on Holt in 1966, the year before his disappearance, when his office window was shattered by a sniper. After this assassination attempt, and an attempt on another politician around the same time, Holt begrudgingly accepted one bodyguard. He believed that having security made him inaccessible to the public, and he didn't like it. Okay, he's a people's man. He refused to have the security on holidays. And his wife Zara actually says that he didn't want security at all because he wanted to be able to keep his affairs secret. Yeah, remember? Lola Gate. She said that his style was kind of getting cramped by his security. He definitely had an affinity for the babes. Mm. Holt had beach houses in Portsea, Victoria and Bingle Bay, Queensland. But you know what? The thing is, Zara was actually out owning him at this point, as we mentioned before. He just accepted it by now. Yeah. And most of these assets were thanks to her profits from her owning a chain of dress shops. Not Zara, though. Not Zara, the fashion brand. No, that wasn't her. <laughs> Harold also loved spearfishing and had spearfished for over 10 years before his disappearance. He preferred free diving or snorkeling as he found air tanks burdensome and inauthentic, which in my head kind of draws a parallel to how he doesn't want bodyguards. A a very abstract parallel, but it's, like, there. In my head, he's, like, all of these things are kind of adding up to, like, make him this, like, 
60s, like, Australian bloke, like a <laughs> macho man yeah. kind of vibe. Like, I don't need security. I don't need an air tank. Mm. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. He's, He's just a bloke. He was also really good at holding his breath. Holt had, quote, incredible powers of endurance underwater and sometimes kept himself amused during parliamentary debates by seeing how long he could hold his breath for. <laughs> Which... Must get pretty boring in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he wasn't super good at swimming on the, like, surface of the water. Mm -hmm. Like, he could tread water and swim underneath. Several of Holt's friends confronted him about the dangers of his hobby, including his press secretary, Tony Eggleton, to whom Holt responded with, quote, Look, Tony. <laughs> can do an Australian accent. Yeah. I can't. Do it. Look, Tony. What are the odds a prime minister being drowned or taken by a shark? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for that. That's okay. That. He really thought like the shark was gonna like swim over and be like, oh, oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Prime Minister, I didn't realize it was you. Keep going. What? Yeah. He maybe was thinking, well, that's never happened before, so why would it happen to me? But, maybe. Come on, Holt. Think forward. Yeah. Holt was generally in good health. He had been in a car accident twelve years prior, where he suffered a pretty severe concussion. In September of 1967, he developed shoulder pain from a football injury from his youth. He was prescribed painkillers and twice-weekly physiotherapy. A few days before his disappearance, he had been briefly examined by his personal physician, who advised him to avoid overexerting himself and to cut back on the swimming and tennis. Earlier in 1967, Holt had two close calls. In May, he was swimming at the Mornington Peninsula when he became distressed and called for help. He was pulled ashore by his diving companions, where he remained conscious but turned purple and vomited a large amount of seawater. Mm. Yeah. Holt attributed the incident to a leaking snorkel and supposedly remarked, I don't know why I'm getting put on all the Holt quotes, because yeah. I cannot do an Australian do it, accent. Try no, again. This, is e this one's easier. That's the closest I've ever been to drowning in my life. No, that, he wouldn't say it. He wouldn't talk like that. I reckon he would have had a really broad, like, somewhat British oh. Australian accent. That's the closest I've ever been to drowning in my life. Something like that. We'll just use that. That's oh what he said. <laughs> in August, he was at the Great Barrier Reef, where he spent 25 minutes chasing a large coral trout. Very important things, you know. Mm -hmm. But eventually had to abandon the pursuit due to extreme shortness of breath. Look, Harold, if I spent 25 minutes chasing a large coral trout, yeah. I would also be panting. They're quick. Yeah. So there's a bit of insight into Harold, his politics, his hobbies, his love life. I think he's pretty interesting. <laughs> he is pretty interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Spearfishing? Yeah. So let's get into the disappearance. Holt wrapped up a cabinet meeting in the early hours of the morning on the 15th of December 1967. He then went back to the lodge, which is, um, that's like where our prime ministers ordinarily live. Oh, like the White House. Kind of like the White House, but it's been in very bad repair lately. The I don't lodge. think our current prime minister lives there. Oh, uh, yeah. He goes back to the lodge for a few hours of sleep and then returned to Parliament House at 8.30am to finalise a press release. He left at 11am and got on a military plane to Melbourne. His wife Zara stayed in Canberra to finalise the preparations for the annual Christmas party. She's planning the Christmas party and we know that he's probably he's probably out there fucking around. The woman does her job, yeah. I guess. Yeah. 
Once he was in Melbourne, he went to his office and dictated some letters with his secretary, and then went to his house in Turak. He told his housekeeper, Edith, that he was going to go to his beach house in Portsea for the weekend. So she comes along to uh, keep the house, I guess. Like a mobile housekeeper. Yeah. Comes with you. Yeah. When he left Melbourne, he took a letter with him from a Liberal Party whip, which was expressing concern at the performance of the government. Basically, a whip is like, uh, he's like an inside man who's like keeping an eye on your approval ratings and like he's talking to all the members of your party to see who's voting what on what issue, stuff like that. Like a little, a little mole. But like a mole for you. Yeah. But everyone knows he's a mole. Right. An official mole. A common mole. Yeah. (laughs) So he hits the open road the frog and toad, in his red sports car and heads down to the coast. Once there, he catches up with some of his neighbours that he ran into in Sorrento, which is a couple of beaches over. He saw Marjorie Gillespie and received an invitation to evening drinks at her house. Marjorie, look, let's cut to the chase. They were probably seeing each other because we know that. That's what he kind of did. Yeah, and she has come out to admit that. But she's a bit like... She's vague on the dates. She's a bit like, oh, what's an affair to you? I'm like, what's it to you, Marjorie? (laughs) And she's like, it was emotional. So uh, I guess what's important to know is... There was something going on there. We think. Well, there was something going on there, whether or not it was (laughs) our definition of an affair. Yeah, or just good banter. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to say. God. Anyway, he spends about an hour with Marjorie and her husband, Winton at drinks at their house. Then he goes home for dinner that Edith has made. The next day, on the 16th, he just has a classic day at the beach house. He did some gardening, made some phone calls to his press secretary, Tony Eggleton, and his stepson, Nicholas, inviting the latter down to Portsea. Holt played tennis in the afternoon and then spent some time with Nicholas and his family after they arrived. In the evening, he attended a different neighbour's cocktail party for about an hour, and then returned home to host a dinner party with about a dozen guests. I also want to add that he adopts he adopts Zara's kids. Yeah, I say stepson Nicholas, but he had adopted Nicholas, actually. Yeah. I mean, biologically, Nicholas was his stepson. Mm. And we know that. We do know Nicholas is his stepson, or at least that's what we assume. But mm. the twins... His other two sons. His other two adopted sons. That, I guess... People had assumed that Zara had with James Fell. When they grew up a little bit. People were like, wait a second. Because... They look so much like you. Yeah. And I don't know if it's confirmed, but it's almost like basically known that the twins are his kids. Potentially. Probably. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway. That's why everything was lining up. It's because she came back to Australia and they... And then the next year... Imagine you get it on like in an affair and it's twins. (laughs) One time. Fuck. (laughs) Two of them. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe she came back and she was like, they're like twins. And he was like, what? (laughs) But it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice he adopts Nicholas. I don't think Nicholas is his kid. Nicholas is definitely not his kid. Yeah. Because they hadn't seen each other at all. Yeah. But they had seen each other prior to the birth of the twins. Yeah. But it seems that he is uh, still bonding with Nicholas. Anyway, yeah. what I'm saying is I love Harold. I love that he has adopted these three kids that, you know, officially aren't weren't his. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, I I think like he was a semi-absent father, but like they all spoke pretty highly of him. So, Aww, yeah. Harold. 
On the 17th, Holt woke up early. He ate breakfast and called his wife. He then drove to the general store and bought insect repellent, peanuts, and the weekend newspaper. At 11.15am, he went down to Point Nepean, which is like the very tip of the peninsula. If you've ever seen like a map of Melbourne, it's like a, a horseshoe, I guess. Mm. And it's on the right. right side, the very tip of the right point of the horseshoe. In this group of friends, there was Marjorie, her daughter Vina, and two family friends of the Gillespies, so Marjorie's family. These two friends were Martin Simpson and Alan Stewart. And they planned to watch a solo circumnavigator pass through the rip into Port Phillip Bay. So that's a boat? Yeah, someone's like going around the whole country. A circumnavigator. Oh, right. Yeah. I had no idea what that was. Yeah, you got sail around the whole thing. It was really hot and they really couldn't see the boat. So they kind of gave that up. As they were driving back around 12.15pm... Holt suggested that the group stop at Cheviot Beach for a swim. He wanted to cool down and work up an appetite before lunch. The water was rough and there was a large swell and visible currents, but Holt didn't hesitate in entering the water. Holt knew the area well and had swum there many times before. This beach, Cheviot Beach, was rough and had large swells because it was on the ocean side not the bay side right so at that like point of the coast it's like very thin so you can swim on like there's one road and you can swim bay side or you can swim ocean side on the ocean side it's like really rough and choppy obviously because there's nothing like protecting it but if you just swim on the other side bay side it's like flat and like very calm and you can just but obviously it's less interesting to swim on And you're forgetting side. that Holt is the man. Yeah, I am forgetting that. Alan Stewart was the only other swimmer, as the others considered it unsafe. Which, fair. Mm. Stewart stayed close to shore, and even in the shallows felt a strong undertow. As Holt swam into the deeper water, he seemed to get dragged further and further out to sea. The friends watching from the shore called out to him, but he didn't raise his arms or yell for help. He soon slipped under the waves and out of sight in a manner which Marjorie described as, quote, like a leaf being taken out, so quick and final. Ironically, on the morning of his disappearance, the headline of the Australian, which is a newspaper, mm -hmm. was, quote, PM advised to swim less, which detailed the latest advice from Holt's doctor. Alan Stewart drove to alert the police. This initiated what became one of the largest search operations in Australian history. The search for Holt began at 1.30pm, when three amateur divers entered the water and found it too rough. I was like, amateur divers? That's all you could scrounge up? Three of them? Yeah, within 45 minutes, we'd managed to scrounge up three of them. They just, like, kind of yelled around. They're like, anyone know how to dive? Yeah. And this guy's like, oh, I have two friends. We took what we could get at, the, at that minute. <laughs> and then other people turned up. Yeah. They were soon joined by helicopters, watercraft, police divers, and two naval diving teams. However, little progress was made due to the rough conditions and limited equipment available. By the end of the day, there were more than 190 personnel involved. This number would eventually increase to more than 340. Yeah, so don't say we weren't looking for him, because we were. The bad conditions continued to hamper search efforts for the next two days, until conditions improve on Wednesday the 20th of December, but still nothing turned up. 
Two days later, on the 22nd of December, five days after his disappearance, they held an official memorial service in Melbourne. There were 2,000 attendees within the cathedral, and many thousands more lined the streets nearby and listened through a public address system. In attendance was the Secretary-General of the UN, President Johnson from the US, Prince Charles, the UK Prime Minister Harold Wilson, New Zealand Prime Minister Keith Holyoke, and leaders from the Philippines, Singapore, South Korea, South Vietnam, Taiwan, and Thailand. There were representatives from numerous other countries as well. At first I was shocked, but now that I know Harold, I'm not shocked. He seemed like such a nice guy. Yeah, I think I he would. definitely was could make friends. Oh. At these like boring-ass press conference, uh, you know, political events where yeah. he held his breath. Yeah, I feel like he was definitely like kind of the life of the party at all of these like Probably international political things. Mm. So it makes sense. I don't think our Prime Minister now would be able to do that. That's the tea on that. The search for Holt's body continued, but was gradually scaled back until it was officially called off on the 5th of January 1968, only 19 days after he went missing. Harold had this thing about not making it to the age of 60. Both his father and brother died before that age, and he would often quote the Marvel verse, But at my back I hear, time's winged chariot hurrying near. Damn. So dramatic. That is dramatic. <laughs> People who knew him knew that he was pretty okay with his mortality. When he went missing, he was in fact 59. So now that we've covered the disappearance, let's jump into some theories in true BuzzFeed Unsolved style. The first and probably immediate theory, drowning. Some people say that his judgment on the day of his death had been clouded by the medication he was taking for his shoulder in combination with work-related tiredness and stress. He was also still suffering from some shoulder pain. One of the drugs that he had been prescribed was morphine, although there was, quote, no direct evidence that he had taken any on the day of his disappearance. Some people say that Holt only went swimming that day to impress Marjorie, with whom he was rumoured to be having an affair with, as we said. Zara believed that this was the case. In fact, Zara, since his disappearance, has been pretty outspoken about Holt's various secret affairs. But, you know what? Holt had a red sports car. He didn't need to get in the ocean. Yeah. God. And it was also the Prime Minister. He just needed to pull up. He just needed to be Harold. Just be yourself, Harold. Yeah. He would have impressed her. <laughs> so, in 1988, Marjorie publicly identified herself as Holt's lover. Her husband's, like, right there. Her husband was there the whole time. Rip Winton. Rip Winton. F's in the chat for Winton. Holt's biographer, Tom Frame, says that there can't be much doubt that Holt just drowned, saying that there is a large possibility that he had misjudged his swimming ability and the roughness of the conditions and became exhausted. He may have suffered a heart attack or been struck by driftwood, stung by a venomous jellyfish or attacked by a shark. It was both jellyfish and shark season. Mm-hmm. Say there was no shark, though. Or it had just turned away when it found out he was the prime minister. Or that. Then where was his body? Well, apparently there's an answer for this, too. It may have been trapped by bull kelp. I oh. found out it was called. Don't know what that means, though. It just sounds like big kelp. It's big seaweed. And then consumed by sea creatures, specifically sharks, crayfish, and or sea lice. How? I don't want to know. If that were the case, apparently, quote, the body would have been reduced to a skeleton in a period as short as 24 to 48 hours. 
But at the time, the federal government declined to conduct its own inquiry, as the disappearance was considered uncontroversial and his family didn't want one. Naturally, this and the fact that no trace of a body was ever found led people to start hypothesizing beyond the drowning theory. Mm. Yes, I love some conspiracies. And there is plenty here. Yes. The first, I guess, conspiracy that some people advanced was the theory that Holt hadn't drowned accidentally, but chose to end his own life. The police ruled out suicide owing to Holt's ordinary domestic pattern in the days before his death, and the fact that there were witnesses on the beach, not to mention the fact that he also had commitments to family and plans for the coming year, like the Christmas party. Let me just say, like, a lot of people could have plans for the upcoming weeks and do something like this anyway. A lot of people might live a completely normal life and have something bubbling below the surface. However, I think it would be a pretty tough slog in politics. And he'd been there for like 30-something years. So by the time you get to be the Prime Minister, you're probably pretty resilient. So what I'm saying is I don't think he would have had some like work stress-related mental health struggle going on. But I don't know. Perhaps he wasn't at his most resilient and at his most unstable. Maybe. Yeah, we don't really know. Yeah. He only talks to the doctor about his shoulder. Because back in 1967, men men didn't have have, uh, feelings. Shoulder problems. That's all they could have. This theory is substantiated by claims made by barrister Edward St. John QC and public servant Sir Lennox Hewitt, which are two of the most barrister and public servant names I've ever heard. God. Edward St. John said that Holt's death, quote, appeared to be an act of a man who either wanted to die or didn't much care whether he lived or died. Lennox Hewitt said Holt had seemed depressed in the period before his death. There is also that information on how Holt had gotten the letter which expressed concerns about his government's functioning and he'd taken that with him to Portsea. I guess that's a bit... Uh, I guess you could take meeting notes with you to your beach house. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't. I would yeah. leave work behind. I don't think he had a very good work-life balance. Yeah, right. As well as this, there was information that there had been some potential treachery in the government ranks, including some leadership tension between Holt and Treasurer Billy McMahon over a threat by Holt to cut relations with Japan, which had just taken over from Britain as our biggest trading partner. There was also an upcoming major cabinet review about the direction that Australia was taking. So there's some political unrest, I suppose, but isn't that the nature of politics? I don't know if this was so out of the ordinary to prompt Holt to take his own life, but we don't know about his personal mental health situation. I can guess that in 1967, they probably didn't really have mental health as a priority, I guess. It could still be pretty taboo. Holt's son said that he'd shared with him that he was going to retire after his next term in office, presuming that the Liberals won again. He had the biggest majority in history, and this remained well after his death, so there really wasn't that much pressure on him. Listen, he seemed like a fun-loving guy. Yeah. Like, you know, had all these hobbies and beach houses and friends and... Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that theory. Mm. So the next theory, and fair warning, these theories get more ridiculous as we keep going. Yeah. kind of ordered them in, like, descending into insanity. Yeah. Is that he faked his death to be with a lover. So we know that Marjorie and Holt were getting it on. At least emotionally. Yeah, to some degree. At least intellectually. They were looking deeply into each other's eyes. Discussing highly charged 
Marvel quotes. Socio-political theories. So how can this theory be viable if she had no idea and obviously didn't run away with him? Well, Zara says that Holt actually had many mistresses over a long period of time, so it could have been any one of them. Some people give this theory the time of day because of the way that he kind of washed out and also his swimming ability. We know he could hold his breath for a really long time and was good at swimming underwater, so it makes sense that he could have gotten around the headland onto another beach where she might have been waiting for him in a car and they would have driven off into the sunset. Beautiful. Wow. He like (laughs) walks out of the ocean like James Bond esque (laughs) into this like sports car with the Bond girl in the in the passenger side. Yeah. Just fully just dripping wet. Mm. He's unzipped half his wetsuit. Yeah, and just like rooms off into pedal to the metal. That would be funny though, because then he would have been practicing holding his breath for this very moment. Yeah. All that practice in the meetings for this moment. But in reality, this probably couldn't have happened because he was the prime minister. People knew what he looked like. So unless he never showed his face anywhere again or drastically changed his appearance, Mm. it's pretty unlikely. Also, he was planning Christmas with his family and everything and was pretty devoted to his kids. So like similar to the suicide vibe Mm. just not sure if that would would be really realistic or in line with his personality yeah some people say that he faked his death not to be with a lover but to defect to china for whom he had been a long-term spy for which brings us nicely to our next theory chinese submarines the submarines so there's this theory that he was potentially collected by an international submarine. Mm-hmm. We'll start with China. Some theorize that Holt was a lifelong spy for China and he faked his death in order to defect. They say he swam out to sea and was collected by Chinese divers and taken to a waiting submarine. Although, apparently it was physically impossible for a submarine to get that close to shore. But maybe it was like a, a baby one. Maybe he swam really far out to sea. <laughs> maybe the Chinese military had some like high-tech submarines (laughs) some people have a bit of an alternate chinese submarine theory and that he didn't fake his death but was actually drugged and then taken by the divers to the submarine there were a bunch of letters that were written to authorities and newspapers at the time and one of them says quote i think that mr holt was kidnapped and taken away by submarines and is being brainwashed for political information another letter says Quote, Our enemies know that Mr. Holt and President Johnson were close friends. A word to the wise is enough, and I shall leave the rest to you and our government. <laughs> what a passive-aggressive letter. <laughs> At least help us if you're going to send a letter. <laughs> a word to the wise is enough. Also in the letters was the theory that he was poisoned somehow, potentially through a delayed effect drug, which he might have gotten in the refreshments on his way to the beach. And then somehow, at the exact same time he got in the water, it took effect and they grabbed him and took him to the submarine. Or maybe it, like, mixed with the water. And that's how it, like, took effect. Okay, but if this was a kidnapping, the Chinese submarines would have really banked on the fact that he would go swimming, that he would go swimming there, go out that far, go alone. Like, that's a pretty risky bet if I've ever seen one. And I feel like the Chinese submarines would be a bit more well-planned than that. Yeah. Come on. If we know Chinese submarines, they wouldn't have left that much to chance. Yeah. This was like a mad 
Cold War era theory, his biography really gives it a good chance, really gives it the time of day. It's like six pages long if you want to get into it. But we'd be here forever if we went through it in such detail. So you get the gist. His wife Zara doesn't think that he could possibly have been a Chinese spy because he didn't even like Chinese food, she said. (laughs) God, Zara. I think they probably could have imported some Tim Tams for him or something. (laughs) Some microwave pies. Some, yeah, some 4 and 20 pies. Now... The, uh, the flip side of the Chinese submarine theory is the Vietnamese submarine theory. In October of 1967, two months before his disappearance, Holt had extended the Australian commitment of personnel in Vietnam from 1,500 to 8,000. This was before he wanted to pull them out. I think he expanded it and then after that, like, shit kind of hit the fan and he was like, oh, no, yeah. oh, no. Anyway, he was also urging the American forces to send in more troops and maintain the bombing of North Vietnam, which was the communist part. So I guess in a similar way to the Chinese submarine theory, there is an idea that Holt was affected by a nerve agent, which took effect at the time he entered the water and immobilized him, preventing him from raising his arms and calling for help or swimming to safety, and he might have just slipped under the water. I guess some people think that this might have been administered by one of the friends during the day after they had either been threatened or coerced or become Vietnamese agents. So they say that in the similar thing, this nerve agent took effect. The the Vietnamese submarine was waiting. Look, these two, the submarine thing is a bit far-fetched, to be honest. I really don't think North Vietnam was probably that worried about Harold Holt. I think if they were going to get anyone, it was Johnson. But, I don't know. Maybe Holt was an easier target. Yeah. But I don't think they would have... Why would they even bother? They've got stuff to deal with back in Vietnam. That's true. Now, the final theory. Finally, CIA. And, my favourite outcome of most events, aliens. Yeah, CIA and or aliens. These are truly probably the more outlandish theories now, but that's not to discount them. I will lean into anything. Mm -hmm. And this theory, let's start with the theory that he was assassinated by the CIA. When Riz was looking into this, she was telling me about this rabbit hole she was falling into. Man, I was scared I was going to get lost in there forever. (laughs) You can truly find some crazy, crazy stuff on the internet. So there was some interview footage from a movie that was made in 1980. Five, where Treasurer Billy McMahon and Navy and Tourism Minister Don Chip stated that they believed Holt was considering withdrawing troops. If this was true, it would not have gone down well with President Johnson's administration. Holt inherited Australian involvement in Vietnam, so it was never his choice. So basically, if it wasn't Vietnam, it was the CIA. Someone was angry at him. Yeah. The, the wormhole that I went down really takes a, a turn here after I started looking into the CIA theory. And I found this website that was on this, like, Iranian server. It had, it had to be moved to this Iranian server because our server would not hold it. We kept putting it, taking it down. It was created by this guy called Gary Simmons. So, there is this guy called Gary Simmons, who was a Navy clearance diver in the late 60s, and he now has a website. It's, if you want to go have a look... <laughs> giving him some traffic, mm. www.harold-holt.net. 
He believes that Harold Holt never went to the beach on the 17th of December because he was murdered on the night of Saturday the 16th. He says that Holt was murdered because he was opposed to American bases such as Pine Gap being built on Australian soil. He says that there's no evidence that supports Holt being on the beach that day and that in fact he had evidence to the contrary, that there are witnesses who were on the beach on Sunday morning and that Harold Holt was not there and that they were ignored by police when they tried to report this fact. Yeah, which he says Sunday morning, but Holt wasn't there until like 12.15. So if you were there in the morning, you wouldn't have seen him, but whatever. Then Gary goes goes on to take this even further. He says that he was actually involved with the murder of Holt, but that he was somehow like brainwashed with this alien technology and made to forget all about it. That's what he like infers has happened to everyone else. Right. Like Marjorie and everyone that says they were there. He says that he had some sort of chip inserted into his throat during a non-consensual operation while he was in the Navy, as well as other technology. And apparently he has the CT scans to prove it. You can look at them on the website. I mean, I guess they're there. I just don't, like... If a doctor saw it on a CT scan, wouldn't they be like, man, what is that? And, like, at least look at it? Do some, like, keyhole surgery or something? What if he thinks that the doctors are in on it and will remove it and then be like, you were lying the whole time? Judging from his, like, future litigation, I think he does think that. Well, there you go. Also, I don't think alien operations are ever consensual. That's why it's called probing. He says that he was involved in a number of, quote, evil acts during his time in the Navy, and that he was somehow a puppet for them. Them, quote-unquote. He never really says who they are, but probably aliens or secret society or... Yeah. He says that the government isn't listening to him or affording him proper judicial process, that they have manufactured reports on him to keep him quiet and under control. This guy is, like, in and out of court, trying to subpoena hospital records, trying to say that Centrelink has come up with false documents. You can really go into a lot of depth with this theory, and, you know, you can go to the website. You can see what he has to say. So, on the topic of aliens, going back to that, some also hypothesize that we have to say it, and I'm going to say it Mm -hmm. with ultimate pride, that a UFO abducted the Prime Minister. Because, well, no body ever turned up. And in 1970, a man named John Keel wrote Operation Trojan Horse, which links unsolved mysteries with alien or supernatural activity. He points to a series of events that supposedly foretold Holt's disappearance, including the collapse of Silver Bridge in Point Pleasant, which is connected also to the Mothman theories. Fans of John Keel go so far as to consider that Holt was actually an alien himself. Damn. And I know this is a tangent, but Mothman. (laughs) Man, Mothman. I started, like, I started, like, researching about Mothman, and I was just like, man, I cannot, I don't have time to go down this rabbit hole right now. So I just put in a couple notes about Mothman, I was like, this is something else and then Helen has just taken that and (laughs) run with it and now is an expert on Mothman I'd already heard of Mothman before Harold Holt because it is a big uh conspiracy thing but to break it down very simply it's this giant moth man like a moth with legs yes human size human moth or a human with moth wings Batman but it's moth and this town in West Virginia was seeing this moth man all the time everywhere 
And then one day, this big bridge in that area collapses and people stop seeing Mothman. And they think, holy crap, Mothman foretells shit. Mothman foretells bad things happening. And then starts this whole chain of people seeing Mothman before things happen around around the world. It took off. There you go. And so someone thinks... Maybe there were sightings of Mothman in Australia. I guess there were. Well, there was definitely sightings in West Virginia in, in 1967. Well, there you go. Mothman fluttered over here to Australia. Damn, he would have been tired Good when he God. got here, bro. Yeah. Then he had to scoop out the ocean. Damn. <laughs> His Harold. wings are all wet. Now Harold and Mothman just living happily ever after. It was he drove off into the sunset with Mothman. <laughs> it is important to note probably that people stopped seeing Mothman because like 50 people died and that bridge collapsed. And you'd probably be a bit too busy like trying to repair the town and grieve all those people to really be looking out for a giant moth. I just want to know like have we have, have when have we seen him since? Mothman. Yeah. Maybe this was his grand finale. But he was like, after this, I'm going to get the Australian Prime Minister and then I'm retiring as Mothman. It just doesn't seem to be, that just doesn't seem to be like enough. Like, there's just this one seemingly like collective conscience of this town that was like, yeah, I saw this big moth. Oh, I'm so into it. Sorry, Holt, sorry. We've got to get back to Holt. This is a Mothman episode. Let's get back on track. Yeah. Let's get back to our man, Harold. Yeah. So what happened after he... Never came back. Mm. Peter Bowers said that Holt's death ended Australia's age of innocence, as it meant that national leaders could no longer keep their private lives completely away from public scrutiny because we couldn't afford to lose another one. Also, a bunch of stuff has been named in honour of him, but it kind of seems like the irony is lost on a couple of these memorials. There's a commemorative plaque that's been bolted to the reef at Cheviot Beach approximately 15 metres or 49 feet underwater. It's for the divers. I guess. They love diving. I guess so. There's also a naval communications station, a big US Navy ship called the USS Harold E. Holt, and, probably the most iconic, the Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Centre, which is in Melbourne. They were already building it at the time that he went missing, yeah. and that was like his old kind of area that yeah. he had, like, um, been a member for. So they were like, oh, we're already building it. We don't have a name. So hmm. guess it's this. The Australian Army also dedicated a swimming pool in Holt's memory, the Harold Holt Memorial Pool at the Australian base in Vietnam. I'm going to be a cook again. I'm not going to say nothing, but all of these memorials semi-tie back to the conspiracy theories. You have the Naval Communication Station. Gary. Was in the Navy? Yeah, with the, the ship as well, the Navy ship. The US Navy ship. Oh, the CIA. Oh. And you have the swimming pool in Vietnam. The Vietnam. The Vietnam? The Vietnamese. Submarine. There you go. Okay, okay. So, they could be compensating all of them, though? Collectively. Everyone was in on it. Ye- oh. You think it was a. <laughs> Oh, you want to drop that bomb right at the end? I mean, maybe everyone was in on it. We're really falling down the hole. Oh, shit. Anyway, let's bring ourselves back. Let's bring ourselves back. (laughs) So hard with this episode. You remember our girl Zara? Yeah. Well, she goes on to become a dame. Casual. Dame Zara. Yeah. And she remarries another political guy a couple years later. She just chilled out after that. I think she'd had her fair share of drama. Hmm. Author Diane Langmore said this about Zara, quote, 
She was the only one of the Prime Minister's wives to have been a successful businesswoman. No intellectual and not particularly introspective, she had a common sense and a lack of pretension which endeared her to many. Although her decision to stay with her chronically unfaithful and somewhat exploitative husband was not one that all women would make or applaud, it revealed a hard-headed realism and a tenacity behind her zany exterior. I guess we wouldn't understand. Yeah. We've never been married to the Prime Minister. Yeah. And probably never will be. Well, we never know what's in store. That's true. Yeah, look, wild. And halt. That is sad. But fuck, these conspiracy theories sent me. Yeah. What's your favourite? Which one? What's your favourite and which one do you think is what happened? (sighs) My favourite? I love Gary's energy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's my favourite. Yeah. I'd spend the most time thinking about that. Yeah. The other ones I'd be like, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. What I think happened... Look, I don't want to be a boring ass, but I think the man just drowned. Yeah. I think he just slipped under the water. Yeah. But maybe I'm feeling a bit boring today, and tomorrow I will think that he got abducted. By Mothman. By alien Mothman. For what? I don't really know. Yeah. Why does Mothman want Harold Holt? Don't know. Maybe he had some higher purpose. What about you? I think my favourite is faked his death to be with a lover. Oh, yeah. That's you, my favourite. You want some like, of that action? Yeah, well, yeah. But imagine, like... He essentially would never, he would have just, they would have just driven off and just like parked up in some house and just like lived there. Mm. And it just would have been like seemingly great. I just feel like that one's the most like starry eyed. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all on that. Anyway, I reckon we might uh, do a Harold Holt. What do you say? (laughs) Yeah. Do a Harold Holt. Did I get it? I don't know. That sounds like a good idea. We'll hit the frog and toad. Oh, my God. Go Do back home for a pie and some dead horse. Yes. All of the above sound excellent to me. Mm. All right. Thank you for listening. Yeah. If you've made it this far and you haven't tapped out because we're actually lunatics. Yeah. I would have tapped out if I were me. Same. <laughs> but thank you for indulging our rantings. Indulge yourselves. Yeah. Lean in. Yeah. <laughs> Where can your mind take you? All the way to West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. See you next week. Catch ya. Catch ya later. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>